0: journey into the bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom join adol kazilski mondays at 1 p m for the trip of a lifetime shavua tov welcome welcome this is adol kazilski i'm here to be your host for the next 3 quarters of an hour we're learning torah and my intention please god is to finish up the Pasha of Shemot this week uh, to finish up uh, where we're going to go into a new Pasha, and um, we are actually going to be discussing a very interesting topic and I would love to have feedback from you because it's a it's a very very difficult topic. I cannot profess to say that I know all the answers, but probably I should profess to say that i don 't know any of the answers i'm just going to have a debate along with you um, and just share some of my thoughts um but we are going to really be discussing overall why do we suffer in this world? Why do we go through so many difficult difficult um difficult times and what does that mean is 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 god a a a vicious deity that you know um wants to get get us, or is it that we are sinful and we need to repent? Is there any reason for our suffering um Suffering is something that we all do go through, and I'd love you to join this conversation. So 34519 is our SMS line, 0618951019, our telegram number. The way we are going to understand the suffering is to actually follow in the verses of uh, the Chumash of the Bible, and we are in fact in chapter 5. And we are going to be starting verse 10. So, Periké, Pasuk Yud, and for those who need that translation, chapter 5, verse 10. Where we were at the last time um, we got together was that Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. They said the famous words, let my people go. And after much hoo-hawing and hum-drowning, Pharaoh eventually said, I'm not interested. Go away. I don't know your, your God. He's not sitting, he's not in my book of gods and I'm not interested. And that's what it is. But what actually did happen was that not only did he tell them to go away and that he was not interested in indulging with them, okay, he went and said to his people, look at this. They obviously have nothing better to do than complain. And so from now on, not only do they have to have a fixed quota of bricks that they have to give out and make every single day, but now they have to collect their own straw. And that is over and above the, quota, the original quota, which means things became very, very difficult. And in the next few verses we are going to look at, we are going to see how difficult, in fact, it did become. So all the administra- administrators and foremen in charge of the people went out. That's all the, what we call loosely the taskmasters of the Jewish pe- uh, for, for the Jewish people. And they said to the nation, I am no longer going to be giving you straw. That's what Pharaoh said. I'm no longer giving you straw. You need to go out now and procure your own straw wherever you find it. However, you must know that you cannot reduce the amount of work you are doing. So they're already enslaved. They're already working the most ungodly hours. Okay? They're already, it's already backbreaking. And now you are not getting the raw materials with which to do your work, and this cannot you cannot allow the work that you have to put in to suffer so the people spread out over the whole of Egypt, trying to gather stubble for the straw so basically um, what they had to do now was that. In them having to go and um, find the straw is that they, they, if, if they went into another Egyptian's field the Egyptian would just tell them to go away ok um, no Egyptian was allowed to give the Israelites to gather straw and so what happened was that the Israelites now had to travel long distances um, to uninhabited border regions uh, because th- that's where the straw grew wild And you could just imagine how painful it was. They were walking barefoot. Um, Their feet now were torn by the the stubble. Um, They were bleeding profusely. It was absolutely horrific. And I'm sorry to share this over the radio, but um, one needs to understand how horrific it was. And I'm going to give you one example the Midrash gives. Absolutely horrible. But there was a young woman by the name of Rachel, She was a granddaughter of Shetulach. Shetulach was a grandson of the, um, of Ephraim, one of the twelve tribes. And what happened was she was in an advanced state of pregnancy. She couldn't complete her work for the day. And what they did at the end of the day, because they just actually couldn't do both, find the straw and complete the work, the Egyptians took her and her husband Bricked them into the wall, and as she took her last breath, she aborted her unborn son, and the infant was also bricked into the wall by the Egyptians. Um, that was the level of incredible, incredible cruelty that 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 was 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 the Jewish people found that they found themselves in. So it was absolutely, absolutely horrific. And as verse 13 says, mm-hmm. the, the taskmasters kept urging them, saying, You have to complete your daily quota of work just as before when there was no straw. So they were completely unrelentless in having any type of, uh, of compassion for the people now that they had to go find the raw materials to do the work. Now the, the, the there were there were israel there were Jewish foremen, Israelite foremen that the taskmasters had appointed over them. And when the Jews didn't fill their quota, the Jewish foremen got beaten as well. And what did they say to them? Hochem, um, Lilbon, Gamayom. yesterday and today, why didn 't you complete your quotas making bricks as before? So the poor Jewish foremen um, who in charge of groups of people were trying to manage it, what they thought is that they would organize expeditions and send some to bring straw back for the bricks while the others would continue building but Anybody will know that if you cut the the, the 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 man force by half, even though the other half are trying to bring the information, your your whole productivity um, will go down, and that's exactly what happened, and they were being punished for it. Even worse is the midrash that Egyptian teenagers, gangs of them, would break into Israelite homes as they were playing. And once inside the houses they would beat them to death, and if anybody tried to do anything to get rid of these hoodlums, they would be arrested by the Egyptian authorities for harming children. And um, they also would were still on the lookout to hear if there were any births. As soon as a child was born or they heard the crying of a child, um, the Egyptians would report it to the authorities, and those children were thrown into the Nile. So if you think things got better, I'm afraid not. Did they get worse? They got so bad, so bad that it became beyond, beyond unbearable. The suffering was just, there was no human expression to explain the torture, the, 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 the exhaustion, the pain, the suffering that the Israelites were put under because Moshe and Aaron had gone to Paroi and asked him to let my people go. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So what happens when things get really tough? Well, our initial thing, and this is always, is that we go lobbying, right? We go onto Capitol Hill and we go lobby to get things changed. And that's exactly what happened. The, it became so painful, so unbearable for the Jews, that the Jewish foreman decided to, to take things in hand. Okay, the, the Israel, Israelites foremans came. They got, got, got granted an audience with Paroi, and they cried out to him, Lamor, saying, Why are you doing this to your servants? You're not giving straw to your servants, and you're telling us still that we should we should make bricks. They are the, 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 the servants are flogged, are flogged, right? And they and 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 you're, you're killing us, and you're saying that it is our fault so they came there with a logical a logical uh, idea okay and they went and said you know we we are your servants we want to work but you're you're flogging us you're making it absolutely impossible you can't go and expect us to do more than we can when we were already doing we were stretched to capacity and it's true if somebody wants a workforce to work you've got to give them all the tools and 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 the, the raw material and and the ability to do what you want them to do. Now you're actually you're trapping us, and you're punishing us. And what's happening, King Pharaoh, is that we're doing less. And what does Pharaoh say? By nirpimatem nirpim. You are lazy. You are lazy. Said Paroi. alkenatem umrim Hashem. I know, why do I know that you're lazy? Because you would ask so that that you can go and sacrifice to your God. And now go and work. You are not getting your straw. But you must deliver the quote of bricks. So Paroi, if his heart was hardened, it became like stone. He was not interested. He called them lazy buggers. He said to them, "If you have enough time to come and ask me to go and serve your God in the desert, then you've got way too much time on your hand. Go and get your own straw, and make sure that I still get the amount of uh, quota of bricks that is that is required." Okay, um, and really, it, it was it was completely awful that 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 Paroy had become so insensitive. So insensitive to the plights of the Jews. And truthfully, it, it, it's a comment on society that at times, and this is across humanity, one can become so insensitive to another human being that one can turn into an animal. And um, while we're, we're, we're reading the story of the Exodus, we don't have to look too far, but 70, 80 years back to the time of the Holocaust, where we saw um, Hitler's army being so brainwashed, Hitler himself so brainwashed, he brainwashed himself, but the hatred towards the Jewish people was so intense that it did not ring a bell on anybody's moral consciousness that what they were doing was wrong. And so we read these horrific stories of what SS officers did to inmates Jew and non Jew alike. This wasn't a a a vendetta only against the Jews. Thirteen million people were killed in the Holocaust, six or six million of them, the Jews. But anybody who had a moral consciousness or anybody who lived a different lifestyle was also treated in the same way. And it is actually quite phenomenal, quite unbelievable to believe that human beings, okay, can can behave in that way. And what we're seeing now in the Bible is that this wasn't a new thing, something, you know, it was Hitler, and the way Hitler riled up the people, and the way he motivated the people, it was across the board. Across the board, throughout history, if a person loses their moral compass, if the person loses their humanity, then we steep down worse than animals worse than animals because even an animal will go out and hunt and kill because they're hungry or they have a need that needs to be fulfilled they will not go out and hunt and kill just to be vicious so we can fall even lower than than, than animals do you agree with me or do you not 34519 is our sms line 061-895-1019 is our telegram number so the the jewish foreman saw that they were in fact in trouble more because they had been clearly told you are not allowed to reduce your daily quota of bricks et moshe likratam now let's just take back um, let's take back a step from, from this, and let's just put it into a timing story. They, the Jewish foreman had gone to Pharaoh to seek an audience with him, to try beg him to have some type of, um, rational attitude towards it, and they were turned away. What had happened with Moses and with, with Aaron, Moshe had gone back to Midian, as we had said in the last, in the last uh, show. He went back. When uh, Paro kicked him out, um, Aaron went back to the Jewish people. And while this, um, un- this terrible situation was unraveling itself, Moshe gets a revelation from God. Simultaneously, Aaron receives it where Moshe is told, go back to Egypt because the time now has come to punish Paroi for his nefarious deeds. And so Aaron receives the same, a similar message. He leaves Egypt to meet Moshe halfway. And they both heard that the Jewish foreman had gone to, had gone to, to Pharaoh. And so when the Jewish foreman walk out of the palace of Pharaoh, boom, they land up meeting Moshe and Aaron. So the Jewish foreman say to Moses and then to Aaron, Yehra Hashem Alehem, let God look upon you. And the and let him judge let Hashem look upon you and judge because you have made us dirty in the eyes of Paroi and in the eyes of his servants, and now you've placed they, it's placed a sword in their hand for them to to kill us now understand it's it's quite understandable for them to be to be like, like mad at Moshe and Aaron. Look, we, we, we were slaves and we were serving paroi and the conditions weren't great. And you come and tell us that we're going to be redeemed and you open up your mouths and look what you've done. You've retracted the process. You've made it even worse. Now God has to come and judge between between us. Because what have you done? You've reverted it worse than ever before. So that's understandable. That's understandable. It's like finding yourself in whatever situation and the guy says, okay, I'm here, I'm here to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make things better. But really what happens is things become even worse. So we can understand how angry the foremans um, were with Aaron. Now, now that we're First we were in the shoes of the Israelites and we heard how terrible the situation was. Then we were in the shoes of the foremen who try and get this this edict reversed and how terrible they are and how angry they are with Moshe and Aaron. Now let's put ourselves in the shoes of Moshe. Did Moshe reply to them? There was nothing. Look in the Bible. Moshe doesn't answer them. What does Moshe do? He turns to God, because even Moshe at this point in time is suffering. He's suffering because. Well, I'm not going to tell you because. Let's look what he says. You'll see how he's suffering. By Yashiv Moshe El Hashem, Moshe goes back to God. By Yomer, and he says, Adonai lama he la Am God, O oh Lord, why have you done evil to your people? why did you send me? Or Because from the time I came to Pharaoh, Bishmecha, to talk in your name, evil has come upon the people. And you didn't even save them. So let's 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 go through what Moshe's complaints to God were First he went and said And the Midrash um, you know, flowers up the whole thing And gives us a greater insight He goes like this Says the Midrash God, why did you mistreat your people? I know of the punishments you sent To the generation of the flood To the builders of the Tower of Babel To Storm And I realized they deserved what they got But look at your people No group has suffered as much as your people has so why have you done this? Why have you made things worse? Number two, yes, I know they're not perfect. They've abandoned the right of circumcision. A lot of the Jews stopped giving Brit Miller to their children. And yes, yes. I know that they've adopted the evil ways of the, the Egyptians, that they've embraced their idolatrous religion, but there are still many people amongst them that are righteous. There are people who are circumcised. Now what you've done is you've mixed the good and bad, And you've included everybody in the harsh persecution. How can you do that, God? Number three, God, I know you promised Abraham that his offspring will be strangers in a foreign land for 400 years. But if this is the only reason for the persecution, why are the descendants of Yishmael and Asaph not included? They're also Abraham's offsprings. Number four, you taught me that the exile began with the birth of Isaac. But why did all the evil have to be concentrated into one generation? How much do you think human beings can bear? Number five. If you wanted to mistreat your people, why did you send me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has treated them with more cruelty. And so I am the one who's landed up being the one who caused them to to do harm. And then in one last final exasperated plea, God says to Hashem, you're, Im- um, omnipotent. How could you allow Pharaoh to blaspheme your great name? How could you allow Pharaoh to do what he's doing? And, and, and it's, it's an insult against you. Now, I know, says Moshe, that I have perfect faith that you can help your people, but you've done nothing for them. Many have died. Human beings are being walled into the buildings and cut down with the sword and drowned in the Nile. They feel like they're beyond help. Ladies and gentlemen, is this not the excuse, the arguments that we give every time we have suffering in our lives? Either we go and we blame God and say, you are such a vengeful God, I want nothing to do with you, because if you were anything of a compassionate God, you would never let another human being suffer the way they did. You would find a whole lot of excuses and saying, yo, even though we didn't do what you want us to do we are your children, and there is some righteousness, and would a father punish their child the way you're punishing your children, even though they've done wrong? You wouldn't, God. We would go and sit and argue as Moses did and saying, if this is all my fault, then do I, why did you, why did you, why did you make me to get involved in this? Just leave me out of it and let the status quo be because the, the pain is just too unbearable. If there is somebody to be punished, then why isn't there a full punishment in terms of if, Abra- if it was Abraham's offsprings, what happened to Ishmael and Asaph? Why only the Jewish people? And then amongst the Jewish people are there righteous people? Why do the, why do bad things happen to good people? Why in the Holocaust did evil or, or whatever you want to call them? Those people that were bad, which however way you can do, you can, what's the name bad, you can qualify bad, I don't think anybody was bad. How did they go with the righteous, the people that served God 24-7? So can you see that the question of suffering, The question of bad things happening to good people. The whole idea of suffering is questioned in Egypt and has been questioned every day since to this very day. To this very day, we grapple with the difficulty of why do we suffer. Because at the end, it seems to us, in our limited knowledge, that there is either, God forbid, no God, God forbid, a God that's not compassionate, God forbid that there's no meaning in our suffering, and, or, or, and anything else that can cross your mind right now. So I'd love to know your questions or your comments on suffering. How do you view suffering? Do you see it as having a purpose Do you see it as a point of growth, or do you see it as just an overwhelmingly painful, painful experience? This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Okay, so let us see what God responds, and then let's maybe understand and unpack it a bit more. We are now looking at verse uh, chapter 6, verse 1. By Yome HaShem Moshe, God says to Moshe, You will now see what I am going to do to Pharaoh. Because with a strong hand, he will let, um, through a strong hand, he will let them go. And through a strong hand, he will drive them out of the land. So, what happens here is that God again reiterates to Moshe, I told you already that I'm going to harden his heart, and um, when I hardened his heart, Paroi did not listen. He still didn't make a choice. And, uh, he, well, he did make a choice, but he made a choice for the negative. And now he's, so to speak, nailed his coffin. Now he is going to go and see what is happening. So, Let's try contextualize suffering in all of this, and while we go to try understand it from the Egyptian point of view and what the bondage was all about, I think, I think, and again, I'm I'm saying this caveat as it at the beginning. I don't profess to understand suffering. Um, I suffer myself, as I'm sure every other human being on this planet suffers. Um, But if we can gain a little bit of insight into Um, what what suffering is all about Um, maybe it will give us a better perspective and would ease a little bit of the anguish around the suffering that we have the first thing um, that we need to understand there is a law a natural law in this world of the way the world works and that is that the darkest part of the night comes just before the beginning of the dawn that a simple That a sick person's symptoms are much worse before he begins to recover. That the coldest days of winter come just before the spring. So in order for any change to take place, the two forces of good and evil are always in strong opposition and the adverse effects might sometimes seem all that harsher. But down the line... And improvement will always take place. And I think that this is the most, one of the most important things to understand. And we can draw, we can draw an analogy, um, through many times in our history as to when things became the darkest and the worst was when the redemption was much greater. So in terms of the Israelites, it became much, much more difficult before they were redeemed. Let's put it into current context. Okay? In our modern history, it took a Holocaust of six million Jews, immeasurable, immeasurable suffering, to allow the redemption and the return of the land of Israel to the Jewish people. Think about it. For three and a half thousand years, we couldn't get back to our land. Didn't matter how hard we tried, what we did, we never managed it. We went through an immeasurable amount of suffering. That was like the, the, the coldest, uh, coldest days in winter before the spring. We went through immeasurable suffering before the redemption. So the first thing that we need, okay, to do, what, what we need to understand is that suffering has a purpose. We do not suffer for no purpose at all. Perhaps we do not know the answer to our suffering. Perhaps we need to maybe make more of a concerted effort to see how we're suffering. But I think the fundamental idea is that suffering has a purpose. And there probably... Would be a few times where we will be able to look at our suffering and from our suffering we would have 2020 vision to see how much we have grown. And if we look throughout history you will see that suffering has been brought because it's expecting us to grow from it. So that's rule number one. I think that if we look across the milieu of history and we look at suffering microcosmically and macrocosmically suffering is there from a loving God because he wants us to grow the question is are we going to be brave enough to try and look beyond the suffering and ask what it is that we have to grow from what is it that we should do or are we going to be overcome with the suffering and just wallow in it and just go through it great men great people, great eras are all uh, examples of where people have taken suffering and they've transfer- transformed them into goodness. So I can see some people um, chatting on our SMS line 34519 or 0618951019 um saying that they recognize suffering to have a purpose and a point of growth and sometimes the suffering has been brought to us for us to realize who is making us suffer. A lot of the time in this world, we tend to blame. It's, it's, it's the economy. It's the load shedding. It's the, it's the, it's the, the, bomb that dropped. It's this. It's my mother and whatever, whatever it is, whoever you want to blame to suffer. Nobody or nothing can bring suffering upon you unless God allows that to happen. And therefore, don't look at the stick that hits you, but look at the hand in which the stick is held. Go back to God. Because it is God that is allowing the circumstance to come to teach you something. Now, you know, when we're looking at the Egyptian exile or we're looking at the time of the Holocaust, this was on an enormous level. Okay? And it was a macrocosmic suffering. And in it, both good and evil we're mixed, and and, and and people, all people suffered. And that was for something much, much greater, and we cannot begin to understand all the machinations. But certainly on a personal level, when you're going through something difficult, be it a health challenge, be it a mental challenge, be it an, an, an anxiety-producing challenge, I think one of the first steps after... Um, understanding that there's purpose to suffering Is to ask the question What, not why But what can I do what, what is there for me to learn from this And what is God asking me to find Within the situation that I need to grow Why is God giving us the suffering We could it. That if we don't get suffering in our lives We simply don't grow If we had all the money in the world All the health in the world All the love in the world would we even think about God? would we think about somebody else? Would we extend ourselves to society? Probably not because we are creatures that are driven by our nefeshbahais our animal soul, and our animal soul teaches us to be um, to, to to teaches us to look towards ourself and it's me myself and I and what it is that I can gain from the situation. It is only when people go through suffering and i I, I, I think that a lot of listeners would agree to me. When you go through suffering and you experience something, you tend to come out with a greater degree of empathy, a de- greater degree of sensitivity, a greater degree of wisdom in understanding another person and another human being. I can tell you just something small. I broke my leg maybe 12, 15 years ago. It was, I suffered tremendously. It was probably one of the, the worst experiences in my life. It was just the whole, the whole thing was terrible, and I'm not going to go into all the details why. Um, I also suffered from severe D- DBT. I nearly lost my life. It was a horrific time of my life. But 15 years later, I walk with a sense of gratitude. I take every step, particularly when I walk up steps. Every time I walk up a staircase, I'm in a state of gratitude because there was a time where I was paralyzed. I couldn't even lift my leg up. I also look upon people who are walking with crutches and moon boots and are on wheelchairs. I empathize with them more because being there, got that T-shirt. Now, would I have ever had this gratitude, this sensitivity, had I not suffered? So, these are a few of the ideas that... I want to share with you with maybe one or two more ideas after this break. This is 101.9 Chai FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. We've got a couple of minutes left, and I think I want to add one small thing to a very big topic, which we could probably debate for hours and hours. When God told Abraham that his descendants would eventually leave. Um, God used the words that leave, richush gadol with great wealth. Generally, you don't leave with great wealth. You leave with much wealth. He should have said, God should have said, richush rav, with much wealth. So what is the difference between much wealth and great wealth? Well, from a Torah point of view, the Hebrew expression indicates that wealth would be great in significance more than in quantity. We know the Jews left fabulously wealthy because at the end the Egyptians gave them all their silver and gold and they basically cleaned out the entire place. And we've already, I think, discussed that that was in lieu of payment for all the slave labor that they weren't paid for. But what does Rehushka Dol really mean? Is that they left changed. They left with great wisdom, great understanding, a wealth of understanding of why they had suffered so much. And that greatness allowed them to be empty vessels to then seven weeks later stand before God at Mount Sinai and receive the Torah. If they had not gone through that cleansing through that suffering, through that experience, where they were robbed of them, of their idol worship, of all the things they thought that Egypt was great about, of their insecurities and thinking, well, I don't believe in God. They had forsaken circumcision. They had done a whole lot of stuff because they thought that the world would give them the answers. Through the suffering, they were stripped, if I may say naked, but naked enough, to see the revelation of godliness. And so again, our suffering, it has purposes. Our suffering is a point of growth. And our suffering is there to bring us to an even better place, to a redemptive place. And there are times that the suffering is so painful, but it's there to allow us to see a new reality. And perhaps one of the greatest things we can do, to kindnesses we can do to ourselves, is to be brave enough to look into the very depths of the suffering. Not of how we are suffering and why we are suffering, but in us understanding what is it that we've got to learn from it and how can we become better human beings. A lot to be said um, and maybe a lot more to sp- be spoken about. But now, the time is nigh. I have to go. This is 101.9 High FM.